Welcome to the ColbyCast, episode 180. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by Anne DeSantis of the St. Raymond Anatus Foundation. In addition to being a homeschooling mother, Anne is the executive director for this wonderful foundation which offers prayers, priestly consultations, and support for families in crisis. We talk about the foundation and its mission, then work our way towards helping individuals and families in crisis. We discuss when it might be best to reach out for help and the importance for listening attentively to those in need. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom of four lads and lasses, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Stephen, what's a good word today? I wanted to say something like rejuvenation, but I don't know that that was exactly the word that I was thinking of, but I'm just going to have to stick with it because I couldn't think of the the exact term that I wanted. Well, that might end up being just the right one, actually. So we'll go with it. Today, we get to visit with Mrs. Ann DeSantis. She is the executive director of the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. She has a Master of Arts in Theology. Welcome, Mrs. DeSantis, to the Colby Cast. So lovely to meet you. It's so wonderful to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad this is working out for us to talk. This conversation was uh, inspired by some conversations that we've had with, with our Colby advisors who take care of our Colby families and, and have a good sense of what our our families who are homeschooling whatever that looks like for them day to day what they have on their plates so to say or um kind of the the circumstances that influence their homeschooling doings day to day so we're really grateful that you have this time to visit with us today because i am aware of many good things your foundation has going on that can support families in various circumstances so let's hear about you and your background and the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation well, I appreciate that greatly. And I am from the Philadelphia area, actually what we consider the greater Philadelphia area. So the suburb, suburban area, north and west outside of Philadelphia. And I am a wife and mother. In fact, I do want to mention that I am a former homeschooling mom. My children are in their 20s, mm-hmm. but I homeschooled my kids from pre-K all the way through grade 12. So I do want to mention that Sure, yeah. Um, as, well as a pretty big side note there. <laughs> yes. I, as you said, I'm the executive director for the St. Raymond Anatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. If anyone is listening and would like to check out the website, it's nonatus.org for our St. Raymond Anatus. We were founded by a religious order uh, in the year of 2015, and I have been working for this foundation since 2017, and it's been my honor to do so, being able to interact with families. Of course, my my job entails not just the pastoral side, but also the administrative side, being executive director. So there's a lot of facets to what I do, and uh, I really do love uh, the fact that I can meet so many people and be able to help them through the charisms of this beautiful religious order. Tell us more about the charisms of the order and of the maybe the origin story and mission of the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation. Yeah. So the way that it worked out was, and all those who are listening may remember that back in 2015, uh, Pope Francis came to the United States and we were blessed that he decided to come to Philadelphia for what was then called the world meeting of families. And what that was, was a lot of people gathered here. We had almost a million people who gathered here in the city of Philadelphia, where we had meetings of all different ministries and A lot of religious and families just just came from all over the place to visit Philadelphia. In addition, the Pope did a mass there. And I was very blessed to be there, too, with my family. Well, after the World Meeting of Families, the Mercedarian Friars came together, and they really took it seriously what Pope Francis had said at that time. And he was making outreach to all of us to try to think about ways that we can all help the family unit, but both our own family unit and also the domestic church, our parishes, communities, and just make better outreach to all those people who really need to know that not only do 
we care, but the church cares too. And we are the church. And so they came together and they decided that they wanted to do something very serious about this. And they decided to start a Catholic 501c3 nonprofit organization. For the first couple of years, it was just kind of getting the wheels moving and having a lot of board meetings and a lot of discussions about what they wanted to do. But it wasn't until 2017 when they really decided to get their feet wet and get in there and start to work. And that, that's when I became part of the picture as the director and then now executive director. I understand you, you to be focused on helping families in crisis and those affected by divorce, which is a deeply painful topic for anyone and certainly not something that um, is outside the realm of our homeschooling families. So uh, could you say a bit more about that particular focus of the foundation? Absolutely. Happy to do that. Now, when we first started back in 2015, there was a lot of prayer and a lot of discernment about who are these families? Who, what's going on with families? And when they went to the World Meeting of Families, they met someone there who gave a talk. And you, some of you might have even have heard of her before. Her name is Rose Sweet. She's a national Catholic speaker. Uh, and she has spoken a lot about people who are affected by divorce and separation. And when they met with her, it gave them that idea. The light bulb sort of went off and they said, well, we don't know what we're doing with families in crisis, but let's start there. And so that's what they did. And that's what I did is that for the first year or two of our existence, uh, really most of what we were doing was geared for that pastoral outreach to those particular people. And since then, it's really expanded. And since now that we've been in existence since nine years almost. And now we're not only are we helping those affected by divorce and separation, but we get people who are affected by health crisis, loss of a loved one, relationship issues, job loss, uh, trauma, all kinds of trauma. Sometimes people are affected by anxiety, depression, issues that are happening within their family unit, whether it be with the kids, with extended family, there's all kinds of things. And really that's what we've been focus focusing on are all of those many branches of, of crisis and adversities. All of that affects the, the family units. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, sure. Mm -mm. Before we delve more deeply into what you offer in that way and how you support families, who is St. Raymond Nonatus and why is he the, the patron of your foundation? Yes. Now, this is the part that I had nothing to do with, but <laughs> I'll do my best. Meaning that when, when we were founded in 2015, I was a friend of the Mercedarian Order. In fact, my husband and I are both what they call third order members. And some of your listeners might know what that means. You can have a third order Dominican or a third order Franciscan. Well, a third order Mercedarian is a person who is a prayerful lay member of the order. And so my husband and I are prayer lay, lay members of the Mercedarian Order. And so I knew a little bit about what was happening in terms of them starting this foundation, but the naming of it and the deciding on what it was going to be called, I had nothing to do with. But okay. St. Raymond Nonatus is the, and I am reading this, is the universally known as Nonatus not born due to his Caesarean birth. He's the Mercedarian saint who achieved the greatest popularity among Christians in places, kingdoms, and nations where the order of the Blessed Virgin Mary of Mercy became established. There's a lot more to him than just that, but basically there was a, at one point when there was a lot of oppression against the church with uh, captivities and a lot of Christians were being held captive. And so St. Raymond Nonatus was one of those saints that was helping to protect those people because the charism of the Mercedarian order is to give their lives for those who are in danger of losing their faith. And that's a big thing if you think about it. Yeah. And there's a lot of people these days that are in, in air quotes, I say, in danger of losing their faith. And that's really what we do. And so uh, now he was not martyred, but, uh, but he is really the most popular of all of the Mercedarian saints. And the founder of the Mercedarian order is actually St. Peter Nolasco, which is another one. And there's, there are all kinds of saints that you can learn about on the Order of Mercy website. Now, the Order of Mercy website are the Mercedarian Friars USA site. 
And if you go on that website, you can learn about in depth about all of those Mercedarian saints. And there's a whole lot to learn about all of them. And um, basically, I do want to mention to all of your listeners that he is the patron saint of expectant mothers, families in crisis, and also those who are falsely accused. Think about that one. Mm-hmm. And I think about those families who are affected by divorce. And sometimes there is a lot of that kind of misunderstanding and arguments that happen back and forth. So he's definitely the saint that you want to intercede to, especially for those family issues. And on our own website, on nonatas.org, we do have an About Us page, which will give you even more information about the life of St. Raymond Onatus. As I said, the, the St. Raymond Onatus is a saint of around the, the, 12, the 13th century. Uh, the, the order was founded in 1218, so figure it was right in, in around that time. Okay. I was very excited when Bonnie just sent forth the, the Raymond Anatus name, because when I have a son, Raymond, and when he was, when my wife, when my wife was pregnant with my son, Raymond, she had a troubled pregnancy. And so that's when we conveniently ran across St. Raymond Anatus, and so he was a, a favorite for us to pray for during that pregnancy and so raymond probably has like three raymond saints that we we love but that was an important uh an important friend of ours for for nine months oh we hear it all the time <laughs> in fact can i mention to the listeners that we have something called a saint raymond nonatus kit that you can get from the mercedarian order and that consists of a, a, a small rosary prayer cards and some holy water and holy oil and if you go to our website at nanatsis.org, there is a page that you can learn about that. So nice. um, we do like to definitely promote that in ways that we can pray for those pregnant moms and even moms that have newborn babies too. Beautiful. So when you have a family make contact with you, could you walk us through a typical, if there is one, encounter, um, how what that looks like and and where you go from there? Yes, I would say close to 90 to 95% of our intakes do come on email. And the reason for that is that uh, most people find us through Google searches. And so they might key in something like family in crisis or Catholic divorce situation or something, and we will pop up. Uh, We do sometimes get phone calls. Once in a while, I'll get a phone call, which I'm always so happy when I hear that phone ring. I think, wow, I get to speak to somebody. Because, you know, we're in this day and age where especially people who are under a certain age, they do prefer email and texting as, the, as opposed to phone calls. Um, but but yeah, so most of the time it comes through an intake form and they we have a part on our intake form, which if you go to the website, there's a speak to a priest page or actually it's called priestly consult. And they will fill out that page and on there they will be able to list out what the issue is. And so I get to read that first in confidence. Everything is in confidence. So no one has to be afraid that lots of people are seeing this. I'm really the only one who sees it. And then I pass it off to one of our Mercedarian priests so that we can set them up with a pastoral consultation, a free pastoral consultation. So what happens is I usually get that information and I will contact them back and and we will proceed to set up a free appointment for them. And I may I mention too that these people can have as many appointments as they need. So they might just contact us with that very first one, just one appointment, but then maybe they start to do spiritual direction with father. And most of them are done online, meaning something like this in private, either on Google Meet or Skype, or we do phone calls. Sometimes people want to do cell phone calls and, uh, or we do in person. Because we do have specific Mercedarian communities that have priests there that people can drive there. And let me just mention where they are in case somebody's wondering, like, well, where are they? Where are those parishes? So we are in Pennsylvania in the Philadelphia area. We're at a parish called Our Lady of Lords, which is in the Overbrook section of Philadelphia. It's considered West Philadelphia, but in the Philadelphia area, people drive in from the suburbs to visit with the priests, so they can do that. We've even had people from New Jersey do that sometimes because New Jersey is only 
over the bridge, not too far away. We're also in Ohio in two different places. We are in Columbus and we are also in Cleveland, Ohio. So we have two presents there. And we are in Western New York at two parishes, um, Our Lady of Mercy and also St. Bridget's in Leroy, New York. That's in the Diocese of Rochester. And lastly, we are in Tampa in this St. Petersburg area. A lot of our retired priests are there and we, we have a house there too. So if somebody lives in any of those communities, then they can visit, they can contact me. We can set up the in-person visit, but I would say 80 to 90% of the people are going to be getting those online calls where they can, in confidence, very confidential, speak to a priest, whatever those issues are. Of course, if it's confession, they can't do confession in online. Just want to make that clear. I'm sure most people already know that, but once in a blue moon, somebody will ask me if they can do confession. I have to just tell them, no, we can't do that because it has to be in person. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a wonderful way that we have to serve, that we have options for people, ways that they can find help. And the speak to a priest, the priestly consult is just one way, but probably our most important way that we can help families. Okay. And do you, do you find that folks is it is it sometimes easier for them to reach out to to your organization rather than seeking help from maybe their local pastor? There's a, there's something to that perhaps? Yes, there is a lot. There are some people who for whatever reason they want this to be very confidential. Now there's also the other issue which some of you know, so a lot of pastors are very busy too yeah. because they're managing not only the pastoral side of the parish, right? All of the sacramental life of the church, but they're also managing all that administrative stuff too. And so sometimes, unfortunately, they don't have a lot of time for what they call like a spiritual direction or something. And so they would rather go elsewhere to speak to someone who's not related to it at all. Now, we also get people who live in rural communities who th there's one church and this church covers such a wide area of mileage that the priest is very, it's far away. So there's all kinds of things. And of course we get people that are outside of the United States too. And they like the fact that it's the perspective of people who live over in this country for whatever reason. So sometimes we get that as well. Really glad that we're having you on just to kind of let our Colby listeners hear about this, you know, just as something out there, because I think we've seen this in a number of our guests and different topics where we kind of tend to as Catholics oftentimes just think like, okay, well, you just have to deal with problems, you know, offer it up, you know, but there, there's so many things that when we just, we've seen when we just try to push them down or try to deal with them on our own, um, it doesn't, bring about necessarily the best results. And it's not, it's not always being really, I think, authentic to the amount of hurt or the amount of suffering that somebody's in where they need somebody to to help. And so, I mean, it's, it's says something that the people who are getting on the Google search and finding you, they at least have, they've come to the point probably of their last draw, I would imagine, at least they, they know they need something else. But it's, it just seems, I'm glad that you're here so that we can also tell them, you know, you don't have to wait till you're on your last thread or whatever things have gotten so bad. You can, it's, it's okay to reach out to, to an organization such as yours to get some guidance and help um, without, yeah, without, before you have to do your Google search, like family disaster or whatever, you know, so I'm, I'm grateful that you're on here so we can, Thank you. we can find out more. Grateful to be here too. We all have a mission, don't we? You, your organization does, so do I, so does the foundation that I work for. And we all come together doing what God calls us to do to help our own families, but also to help other people too. So that's what it's all about. Thank you. Let's talk about some of the resources you have for parents struggling through a separation or divorce. Thank you for asking that question. First, I would say, please go to our website because we have several pages there that have information. 
on under helpful resources, you will see a for the divorce page. On that page, there are videos, there are resources, there are books too that you can order from Rose Sweet, as I mentioned her at the beginning of the podcast and make a shout out to her. She's a former board member for the foundation, our former vice president of the board too. She herself was divorced and annulled too. Uh, so there's a lot of information there. Now we also have a YouTube channel and the name of the YouTube channel is called Philly, like the city of Philadelphia, P-H-I-L-L-Y, Nonatus. So if you go to YouTube or write to that page that I said um, on the For the Divorce, there is our Philly Nonatus YouTube channel. On that channel, you will find videos on and podcasts, audio podcasts and videos of us on several different topics. A few years ago, Rose Sweet and I did one called 12 Steps to a New Life. And it is an audio podcast that was very, very well done. And so I would highly recommend for anybody who's going through that. And it is all the Catholic perspective, by the way. And according to church teaching, and even with questions people have about annulments and things like that are on there. Now, there's a new podcast series that I do with the current president of our foundation. I like to make a shout out to him. His name is Mickey Kelly. He's a, a young gentleman that lives in the city of Philadelphia. He's very active in the young adult crowd and has done so much as our board president. And he and I did a whole series of 10 tips for healing for those affected by divorce and separation. Now, I must mention, um, I've been married to my husband, Angelo. I'm in my late 50s. My husband and I've been married for almost going to be this coming year, be 35 years. So we've been together for a while. <laughs> so my understanding of divorce, aside from my master's in theology, of course, where I did learn about the pastoral side of church teaching, is that when I was seven years old, my own parents were divorced and old. And Mickey Kelly, board president, his parents were also a divorced and an old. So we also, not only do we talk about the parents, but Mickey and I did a whole 10 part series for adult children of divorce on podcast too. And all you need to do to listen to that is to simply, as I said, go to YouTube, Philly, Nonatus, or that uh, for the divorce page. And then we also on our website have a podcast page. You just go to underneath our services for podcasts and videos. And you can see more and hear more of those podcasts. So they're the best resources that I can tell you is just subscribe to the channels. And if anybody wants to talk to me too, even though most of what we offer is for pastoral consultation with the friars, the Mercedarian priests that you know are within our religious order, I do have people that say they want to talk to me. And I don't mind doing that at all. I mean, I don't have the degree in or the counseling piece. I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist, but as I said, I have the master's in theology and the pastoral side and just my own experience with divorce and separation, having talked to so many people, uh, I'm more than happy. Just have them reach out to me on the contact form at the website, nonatis.org. Thank you. Now, just for, again, so if, if, uh, if we have our listeners or that we have families that we know that they're they're not at the point of divorce or separation yet, but you know, maybe things aren't going well and they don't know where to turn. Is that is that also again going to to the website? That's a that's a good place even before things have reached that point. Yes, one hundred percent. In fact, as I told you at the beginning of the podcast when we first were founded. We really and truly did only do divorce and separation. We were not doing all these other things. Now we do cover so many areas and we've done so much for it. We have a for your marriage page on the website. We have done lots of programs and events for people in troubled marriages. We also highly recommend something like um, Marriage Encounter and also Retrovi, which there's a website on our helpful resource page, on our outside resources page. There are links there so people can learn more. But we've done a lot of podcast series and interviews. In fact, I just did one in the last few months, a marriage enrichment series on our four-year marriage page 
with a Catholic author from Canada named Robert LeBlanc. Maybe he's even listening right now. Who knows? Uh, he's an educator in Canada and a catechist too, and a Catholic author. So he and I did a series. Please do take a look at that one. We talk about the lives of the saints and especially those married saints that you want to learn about. And I know that some of your homeschooling families already know a lot about them, but you can learn even more by watching that series. I think when we hear some of the words like separation and divorce, we there is a tendency to think of it in a very black and white manner. And I mean, there's actually a lot of nuance there. So could you say a little bit about that? Yes, there's a lot of nuance because every situation is different. And of course, the church teaches the great importance and the sanctity of marriage and family life and the domestic church and how really Christ dwells there within marriage and within family. And we as Catholics who love our faith and me my, for myself who works for this foundation, who's promoting Catholic family life, according to the Catholic moral teachings of the church, it is very important to us to, us to hold true to all of that. If you look at the very first page of our website, it does say it there right on the front that everything that we do is all according to the, the teachings of the Catholic Church and the magisterium of the church. So we do, do support that 100%. There are situations that happen. It even happened in my own family. As I said, my parents divorced, unfortunately, when I was seven years old. And it happens more often today than probably that it did even back then, where unfortunately things happen and people do wind up getting separated and divorced. So we do want to offer that support for them so that they don't walk away from their faith, right? We want to make sure that even if something does happen like that, if the father walks out or all kinds of things can happen, whether it be something to do with addictions. A lot of it has to do with addictions sometimes and things that happen in the family. I mean, uh, all kinds of even sometimes psychological illnesses, um, you know, that affect marriages and people who just the breakdown of family life. Right. And it's a sad thing. We all need to pray for families all the time. And I do want to mention that because on our website, we do have a page specifically underneath our services for prayer. So if somebody's listening to this podcast and says, oh my goodness, I'm thinking of my sister-in-law or my neighbor that, you know, they're getting divorced and I'm so sad for them. Well, we have a prayer line, a confidential prayer line that you can send your or somebody else's prayer intentions where I send them directly to a religious order. So you're going to get the prayers, not just of me, which is great too, right? It's all great when we pray, anybody prays, but when I send them off to the Mercedarians, you, you're assured that all those priests and brothers are also praying at their masses. They're praying when they do their, their prayers during the day, their liturgy of the hours, they're praying for, for families. So I do think that we need to have that awareness of prayer. There is always something that we can do to help people. And the best thing that we can do is to pray, isn't it? But the next thing we do other than pray is we need to act. We need to do something to help them. And sometimes connecting them to an organization like ours is a way to help to make that happen. Is, is by letting them know that they can get these free services. We call them the four Ps, if I can mention them. They are prayer, priestly consultation, podcasts and videos and programs and events. And I have to just mention that we also do retreats that are in person too. I'm in Philadelphia. Admittedly, most of them are here, but we are more than happy that if someone's listening and they live out of state and they say, we should have them come to do a retreat at our church, our school or something. I would love to, we would love to come out and do that to make an awareness. I just got back from doing some talks out in Illinois this past week. And that was a wonderful thing to be able to visit a parish and talk about how people can become marginalized because of these issues. And that's a side note of something that I've done as a Catholic author, too. I wrote a book called Love and Care for the Marginalized. And that, that's something aside from the foundation. But if somebody's interested in learning about that, uh, my personal website is andesantis.com if you want to learn about the book. But. There's so much more to discuss on this level, isn't there? 
Yes. Yes. It's very interesting to me. I'm a I'm a convert to Catholicism, but at the end of my high school days, so so fairly early on. But I was always struck. By, I mean, I was I was very much struck by the Catholic teachings, which basically um, it it stated what the attitude of. Fortunately, I come from a very loving, good family that 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 didn't have the the Catholic teachings of the insolubility of marriage and and all of these things but they 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 kind of lived that they knew there was a vow there was a commitment and of all of the what god has joined let no man you know separate um but then i you know coming into the catholic church then you, you see okay this makes sense there's this commitment there's this love but then there seems to have also been you know not dealing with problematic situations or possibly having families where there was already even if the even if the spouses were living together there was a divorce of sorts already going on and the damage done to the family even without a separation you know um there's a stigma then with the idea of divorce it seems like for faithful catholics at least like already you know i can imagine maybe well, myself or some of our listeners thinking, okay, well, you know, we don't even want to talk about this divorce and, and we just need to work through things. You've made the commitment. You've got to, you know, I guess, uh, how do you deal with that sort of situation or how, both for people who say, well, I don't even want to talk about that as an option. And for people who um, maybe don't recognize the, the opposite side where they don't even see the indissolubility idea. They're not familiar with that with their faith necessarily. Thank you. That is a very, very good question. And you, you mentioned the idea of faithful Catholics. I would say a very, very high percentage of the people who reach out to us are not the people who are lukewarm about their marriages. We get people who are more, they're really devastated by it um, on that side. Not to say there is, there are always different sides of things, aren't there? There are some people I mean, I haven't ran across them that much in the foundation that are actually very happy to be getting divorced because they feel that their ex-spouse or the person that they were married to is an awful person and they can't wait to start their new life. I mean, we do hear that. Well, I mean, we do. I hear of this aside from the foundation, okay? Even just as me and DeSantis going to a party and hearing people talk about different things, you know, you hear these things. But the people who come to us with a foundation, a lot of times are people who are very serious about their faith and they're very distraught about the fact that they might have to get a divorce or that their spouse wants to leave them or they've been cheating on them or something. I mean, there's all kinds of way things that happen. There's, and there are, like I said, there are addictions too that make it very difficult that sometimes they do wind up getting separated and maybe try counseling for a while and see if things can go in a better direction so they can get back together. And, you know, we support them with whatever way that we can. As, as I said, it's always according to the church teaching, but we have to be gentle with them too, because some of them are going through really horrific circumstances too. And so we have to be gentle with them in terms of helping them to find the support that they need, because we don't want people, obviously, and I'm sure your listeners don't either, we don't want them to lose their faith because they got divorced or somebody in their family did. A lot of times, sometimes it's even like a grandmother's upset because her daughter's getting a divorce or her son or something. That ha I've, I've had not just the couples, I've had the sister of someone. You get that, you get that too. We get, we get all kinds of people that come to us for help. So we just do our best to open our ears and our heart. We stick to what we know is the truth of the Catholic faith, but we also have to understand that there are people who have had really bad situations that we need to be empathetic to as well and helping them to get on the road to balance and being able to be in a better place, both mentally, spiritually, physically, all of that. They need to be where God wants them because God does desire for us to feel love, know his love and to be on a good course in our lives. And unfortunately it does happen where if something is very, very unhealthy, they look at the facts in an annulment and say, maybe something was missing from the beginning. 
right? There was something that was just not right when they do all their investigations with that decree of nullity, which I won't get into all this. But if you go to our website under For the Divorced, we did a whole four-part series with a priest, Father Matthew Phelan and Father Sean Bransfield from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, who worked uh, with a lot of people with going with annulments and asked answering their questions and everything. He has the background in it. Yeah, this, this is a timely topic for me because we just yesterday at mass, so this will obviously air later, but we, there were the readings about forgiveness and how many times do you forgive uh, 70 times seven or whatever translation you want to, to use that not seven times, but 70 times seven or 77 times. But um, it, it really kind of brought it. Our family was having a discussion about that because God, obviously, as far as you know, He's talking about you. you I I can't forgive you if you don't forgive those who have harmed you. And you think, well, that doesn't make sense, really, in some respects, right? Because God can obviously forgive whatever. So what's going? We're we're talking about what's going on within the person, the you know the hurt, the the unwillingness, perhaps at that point, because to 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 be healed by our Lord, because you you haven't. I mean, forgiving isn't easy. We we all we all know that, but it's it seems like that's that has to be at a large at the heart of of what what your organization is doing is, I would assume, right? Is that am I right about that? Oh, you nailed it right on the head. I mean, I would say such a huge percentage of it has to do with forgiveness, and what I teach people when I when I speak to them and when I do podcasts is that uh, I think healing is never ever once and done for any of us. And when I first had a conversion of heart um, a number of years back, I was prayed over by charismatic people who are wonderful people and made a huge difference in my life to be, you know, pray to the Holy Spirit and feel God's presence. And I was on cloud nine for quite a while after that until something happened again, right? And so what I'm saying is, is that Healing is never a once and done. As Catholics, just like we say, our conversion is ongoing. So is healing, right? We're never really, we, healing is never the snap of a finger. It's never just a one prayer or one retreat that you go to. It's the beginning of something, isn't it? And I think we need to teach that more to people because then when things come crashing down, they say, well, I prayed that prayer or I did that novena or that group of wonderful charismatic Catholics prayed with me. Why is my life still like this? Well, your life is still like that because it's not ever a once and done ever. We always need to continue to be healed. I need to be healed for things that happened earlier today. Right. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I don't, I don't think as Catholics, I think we need to be healthier about that. And I think that our expectations will then change when we talk to other people. Also, it helps us not to judge other people because Sometimes as people who are very devoted to our faiths, we look at some people who are going through stuff and just think, oh my gosh, well, if, if they were just catechized, they would never have these problems. If they just knew the Catholic faith and they lived it, they wouldn't have to go through all this. Well, that's true, but it's also not true too, right? Because like I said, even for the best of people, healing is an ongoing thing and we need to continue. Because if we were completely healed, we'd already be in heaven and we're not, right? None of us are there yet. And so I always think it's important to say that yet forgiveness is ongoing. We need to continue to forgive, you know, <laughs> little things that happen at home. Maybe I could be upset that my husband forgot to lock the front door when he went out the front door this morning, right? Or something. And little things in our lives that we just continue to forgive each other. And we do that in family life and homeschooling, right? Something I did for 15 plus years. We have to always forgive one another all the time. Yeah, yeah, that I was, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot recently, well, that forgive and forget, because the forget oftentimes then is just burying it down where it's going to not do do any good. So you've got, it seems to me at least that you've got to kind of pull pull that out. And I think, you know, as we're, as I've been trying to think about that level of forgiveness too, where it's like, I guess it's trying to see, dealing with the hurt that you, it's so complex, like I guess you were saying, Anne, earlier, but because you're dealing with the, the personal hurt that you've had, 
you also still oftentimes can have an issue of trust where somebody isn't trustworthy. You can't put yourself in a position to be heard in the same way again. But then ultimate, then it seems there's two other things. Ultimately, you don't want yourself to continue to be hurt by somebody, by you dwelling on the hurt. And with this acknowledgement that God wants that person that hurt you to return to him and love him as in the same way that he wants you to turn back to him and love him. So it seems it it just seems so complex and hard. So there's part of that con constant conversion, right, is is going through as well as a person. But it's just trying to, yeah, it's complex. <laughs> trying to hold all of that in. I, I agree with you if I could speak on that a little bit. Um, I do believe that forgiving and forgetting could be a goal, but we do have brains and minds and hearts. And like you said, sometimes people do things that are wrong and you do need to kind of still keep your eye on that person. That Now we hear those buzzwords like narcissistic personality and people who are just so self self-absorbed and have real personality issues they do i mean there are people who have and i hear about that in the foundation all the time people who are they they just they, they might even be people who follow the faith but they just can't shake the narcissism in their lives they can't shake the self-absorption and so it doesn't mean when we say forgive and forget you might remember, but it's not a bad thing to remember, but not in an unforgiving way. You just say, well, he did this before, so I need to protect myself. We need to have healthy boundaries with people. There's nothing wrong with healthy boundaries because we need to have that self-care for ourselves and for our kids and our family when you're going through some kind of a crisis with another individual, right? Um, but I think that as Catholics, though, we do have to remember that when it is possible and when it's healthy, that there is a chance for reconciliation with some people in some healthy way. And God does want us to do that. I think sometimes we hear so often that we don't need to for, have reconciliation. We don't need, we can forgive from our hearts and that's enough. That's true. But pray about it because sometimes there is a way possibly that maybe there could be some kind of a meeting of the minds, but you do have to pray about that, make good decisions and make sure that it's in healthy conditions with maybe you might want to bring somebody along with you, uh, not do it by yourself. Um, but it really depends on the situation. I mean, there's too many situations to name, but always keep it in the back of our heads that if it is possible to reconcile, I mean, I know there's been instances even in my own family where there's been reconciliation at the end of someone's life and it was a beautiful thing. And I or someone else could have just said, well, I forgave him from my heart. That was enough. But sometimes God does want us to build those bridges across to the other person and try to make that reconciliation, but only if it's healthy and possible. Well, let's talk a bit about how friends and loved ones can communicate support and empathy and compassion to those who are hurting, how they can accompany them through that. And what do you suggest there? My best advice is active listening. And I don't think that in our culture that Catholic or not Christian or not, that just on a human level, so much, so many of us are not very good at it, right? We live in a culture of me first, unfortunately, and it's even leaked into the church. And I think that when we speak to someone, just like even on this podcast, the two of you are wonderfully polite, beautiful human beings that are just, that's the way we should communicate, isn't it? We should just ask a question and wait and let the person speak. I mean, that's a great model, isn't it? Come on. That's it's wonderful. Lovely. So uh, I think that's a good model for us to remember not to, we just don't know what's in somebody's brain. I mean, I'll just give a quick personal story if I could, because this reminds me of how we can all be better listeners. Um, years ago, when I was going through a very bad health crisis, a very bad health crisis, thank God I'm cured from it, but I picked up the phone and it was a good friend of mine and she's a sweet lady, a very sweet lady, but 
She forgot to ask me how I was doing when I picked up the phone. I had just got off the phone with the doctor's office telling me that I basically had to go to see this cardiologist. And I was like very upset. And she called, oh, I can't wait to tell you. My husband just got a, a new job and we're, we, we're in the neighborhood, in, in your neighborhood, and we might buy a new house there. And we're so excited. And, and then she talked for 15 minutes. And then after that, I was just, it was just because I was going through this crisis, but it taught me something about listening. And I wound up not even telling her because I didn't think it was the appropriate time. I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, ruin her on her parade or anything like that. But I think how often do we, I've done it too. We do it all the time, right? People do it. They get excited about their own lives, but we just don't know what people are going through. So just remember that when you speak to someone, when you say, how are you? Be ready to, to hear how they're doing, right? Don't, even at church sometimes when you say to somebody, how are you? And most of the time people just say, doing okay, how are you? But sometimes they're not so okay. And so just remember to keep our eyes and our ears open to what's going on in people's lives and be active listeners because that's the way that we can find out how we can help someone. It's interesting to me because it actually brought back to mind something which is somewhat frivolous, but I remember thinking when I was in high school and you'd have your, there'd be classmates who would go in toilet paper people's houses and things like that. And, and for whatever reason at the time when like, that's not something I've ever done, but uh, it just occurred to me, it's like, well, but what if you did that and somebody was going through something horrible like that and you wake up in the morning and here's a mess that now you have to add on to everything. And so I, I just couldn't bring myself to do that. But, you know, but yeah, that's the sort of thing that I guess as Christians, we really ought to be trying to be perceptive of what, how are, where are people at and not, yeah, not trampling over them or, or ignoring them or adding to their burden when they're not necessarily ready to to do that. So that's, it's a random story, but for whatever reason, it, it jumped in. When, uh, random stories are good for podcasts. So I hope yeah. it's okay. I told my random story yes. too. <laughs> Thank Definitely. you. Definitely, yeah. I often find it difficult. I hardly know what to say. I want to be present to people. And when they they entrust difficult things to me, I really want to be very careful and honor what they have told me. And I have a hard time these days formulating some kind of response to them because I don't want it to seem trite or dismissive or condescending or anything like that. So uh, do you have any, do you have any go-tos for when someone delivers some news that is something very difficult they're walking through? How do you tend to respond to them? Well, I, first of all, I pause. I think that's so important to pause and let them have as much time as they need to talk. Because sometimes the facts of the matter come up. What happened? What time did it happen? What did he say after that? How are the kids? Like we, we, we think of all these questions that we want to ask and it's more informational. We're looking for information about what happened, right? And sometimes the person doesn't want us to just have them blurt out all the answers to our questions. They want us to just listen to the story. And so I think it's important to give them that space. Now, if I am rushed, like sometimes you get people who call or want to talk and maybe I do have to go make dinner or maybe I do have to pick somebody up, you know, at the train station or I'm, I mean, I'm just making things up, but I mean, maybe I do have to do something, but I definitely try to give them a little bit of time and then say, listen, I'd love to hear the rest of this. Can we set another day time for us to have another call? I think that's important. They just need to know that you're listening, you care, and also that it's confidential. They don't, people never want to feel like you're going to hang up the phone and tell your sister or something or your, you know, I mean, I know in the husband and wife marriage, in a marriage, sometimes you share things with a husband or wife and that's important. But if somebody says that this story isn't necessarily something I even want you to share with your spouse, I mean, something to pray on, right? Because we do want to tell our spouses, quote, everything, but uh, the details of everything, maybe they don't need to know all of that, right? So 
Um, I mean, if it's something really sensitive that the person doesn't want anybody else to know about, if that makes sense. So I think it's important for us not to um, share that with people, especially people who are not in our immediate families, that it's not going to be, it's not, we never want to share things that are just informational about people, right? Oh, did you hear they're getting a divorce or did you hear they're having relationship issues? And it's not for prayer. Like, but I know and sometimes in Catholic circles and Christian circles, we can even do that where it borders into informational and not just prayer when people are hearing all kinds of stuff that are happening with this one family. And you're thinking like, excuse me, but I think we're kind of bordering in gossip here. I know that maybe some of your listeners understand what I mean, because in the homeschooling community, that can happen too, unfortunately. I did it for a long time, so I know. Well, as a as a homeschooling mom yourself, and having been serving in this ministry for the length of time you have now, any final takeaways or thoughts you want to leave with us? Well, first and foremost is congratulations for choosing homeschooling. Uh, you have somebody on this podcast that couldn't agree more. And when my daughters were in eighth grade, and some of my fellow homeschooling Catholic moms who are wonderful human beings, were, we were all talking about, what are we going to do for high school? What are you going to do for high school? And I found that I was going to be in the minority. And I was, because about half of those moms decided to send their kids off to school instead of homeschooling. But we have to do what works for our family, right? It doesn't always work for everyone to homeschool from pre-K all the way to grade 12 where it works out. But Colby is a wonderful, beautiful choice. And and homeschooling is, I believe, just the, the best choice, I think, for many. So I just congratulate you. Keep up the great work. And don't be afraid that when your child gets to eighth grade that maybe you want to keep going and you can do it, you know? You can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. And for, uh, right, I mean that. I wasn't working, you know, then. I wasn't uh, working outside the home. Although I do work from home in this job. So that's a beautiful thing to be able to do that. But the other thing I would say is that if you know someone who's in crisis, you or your family, please reach out to us at nonatis.org. Make a free pastoral consultation with us. Send in your prayer intentions and please connect with us on all the social media at St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation. Listeners, check our show notes for a link to the Nonatus Foundation website, along with other links relevant to our conversation today. Thank you so much, Anne, for this time together and, and all you're doing to serve families in this, in this much needed way. Thank you both, Steve and Bonnie. This has been such an honor to have this interview with you. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.